Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Who killed Ashley Babbitt? Apparently, we're never going to find out. She's the woman who was shot and killed by a Capitol Police officer on January 6th. And the Department of Justice uh, just released a statement a little while ago that says it is closing the investigation into her death. It says the investigation was to determine whether federal prosecutors could prove that the officer violated any federal laws concentrating on the possible application of 18 U.S.C. 242. I think that's the number of the, uh, the statute. Anyway, a federal criminal, that's a, crim, a federal criminal civil rights statute. The cop is not named, and that's the end of it. And here's what else the statement said. Quote, Prosecutors would have to prove not only that the officer used force that was constitutionally unreasonable, but the officer did so willfully, which the Supreme Court has interpreted to mean that the officer acted with a bad purpose to disregard the law. Which brings us to Kimberly Porter. Uh, she's the former Minnesota police officer, Just she just resigned yesterday, who shot Dante Wright a few days ago. She was arrested today, and she's going to be charged with second-degree manslaughter. So, will prosecutors in this case have to prove that she used force that was constitutionally unreasonable and that she did it willfully, which the Supreme Court has interpreted to mean that the officer acted with a bad purpose to disregard the law? That's what they said about the person who shot Ashley Babbitt. I'm not a lawyer. I don't know, but I do know that this will be another opportunity uh, for certain people to declare that this was all about racism and white supremacy. Uh, Maxine Waters has already come out and said that there's no way that it could have been an accident. No way that she could have thought that her uh, taser, her gun was a taser. Maxine's not a big fan of due process when the person who is accused is white. Uh, maybe we'll find somebody who can explain the difference between what the cop in Washington did and what Kimberly Porter did. Uh, I don't know. But uh, we'll try. Meanwhile, Dante Wright, the 20-year-old who's dead, will be elevated to sainthood like George Floyd. You probably won't hear much about the fact that he was accused of choking and robbing a woman at gunpoint. And there was an arrest warrant uh, out. That doesn't mean he deserved to die, but it also doesn't mean that he deserves to be treated as a hero, which he's uh, on the way to being. Anyway, when we come back, we'll switch gears. We're going to talk about YouTube censoring a panel discussion about lockdowns and whether they work. It was involving uh, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and four other people. And uh, that somebody at YouTube uh, didn't like that. Uh, somebody at YouTube didn't like that uh, panel discussion and what they were saying. So it was just taken off the, uh, off the platform. We'll talk to one of the panelists when we come back. Stick around. Hello, I'm Mike Lindell, and I'm excited to announce my new product, My Slippers. They took me over two years to develop because I didn't want just an ordinary slipper. My Slippers are meant to be worn all day long, no matter what you're doing, whether you're inside or outside. My Slippers come with an exclusive three-tier cushioning system that you won't find in any other slipper. It combines two layers of foam, including my proprietary My Pillow foam and a patented impact gel made from U.S. soybeans. My three-tier cushioning system is going to help relieve pressure points, provide that micro support you need for all day comfort and help prevent fatigue. Not only that, my slippers are made with high quality leather and a premium indoor outdoor sole that make them extremely durable. I personally guarantee they're going to be the most comfortable slippers you'll ever own. This is John Steigerwald. Visit MyPillow.com for deep discounts on all MyPillow products, including the new My Slippers. Click the radio listener square and enter promo code STAG or call 800-716-8087. Remember, use that promo code STAG. Few moments bring you joy like opening your inbox after you've done your taxes, clicking the subject line, and reading that one email you've been waiting for so... What? Someone already filed my return? 
During tax season, your personal info, like your name or social security number, is all right there on your tax forms, possibly getting emailed and shared more than usual. And that could leave you exposed to identity thieves. Good thing LifeLock monitors your personal info, alerts you to possible suspicious activity, and if you become a victim of identity theft, a dedicated U.S.-based specialist will work to fix it. No one can prevent all identity theft or monitor all transactions at all businesses, but LifeLock helps you keep what's yours. Join today and save up to 25% off your first year at LifeLock.com with promo code SMART. That's promo code SMART for 25% off at LifeLock.com. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your accounts into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. That's 1-800-990-6976. Have you heard? Rodents are taking over. According to various news articles, recent COVID-19 related disruptions have caused abnormal behaviour in rodents, making them become more aggressive. Don't let your home or business be invaded with a disease-carrying rodent infestation. Keep them away with Plug-in Pest-Free. G'day, I'm Scott from Plug-in Pest-Free. Using the active wiring in your home or business, Plug-in Pest-Free goes to work keeping rodents and pests away the more humane way without using toxic poisons or other harsh pesticides. Just plug it in. It's that simple. Now that's fair income. Stop the infestation and order yours today at gopestfree.com and receive a free hand sanitizer pen with every order using promo code PEN. That's gopestfree.com, promo code P-E-N. Go pestfree.com promo code PEN. Don't spray and regret. Plug in and forget. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250. The answer. Well, we've been dealing with COVID-19 hysteria for over a year now. It's hard to believe. Uh, and for over a year, the big tech companies have been doing their best to make sure that the uh, the hysteria lingers for as long as possible. Last week, YouTube censored a panel discussion between Florida Governor Ron DeSantis and four scientists who, among other things, have seriously questioned the sanity and uh, effectiveness of lockdowns. One of those scientists is Jay Bhattacharya, a professor of uh, medicine at Stanford and one of the authors of the Great Barrington Declaration, and he joins us now. Jay, thanks for being here again. Appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. Appreciate it. So you've been fighting this uh, fight from the beginning, Jay. We had you on uh, early on during this thing uh, way back, probably eight, nine months ago. Um, what were the topics of your discussion in this panel uh, that you were on, and what did YouTube decide was disinformation? Well, we had a wide-ranging conversation about the effectiveness of lockdowns, the importance of open schools, uh, the, the, uh, and one of the topics that we discussed is what is the evidence on masking children. Um, it turns out that the World Health Organization and the, and the CDC disagree. The CDC says mask every kid over, over two. Uh, World Health Organization says uh, mask kids over six. If you look at the evidence, uh, first, it's really clear that kids are not very effective spreaders of this disease. There's lots of great scientific evidence studies that make this point over and over again. It's one of the most well-established facts about the epidemic. Uh, although you may think that kids intuitively would spread. That's not what the scientific evidence says. Um, they don't spread the disease uh, very effectively. So, so uh, that, that's on the one side. On the other side, there's all this evidence that masks harm the development of children. So when the governor asked me whether I think it's wise to mask children, I said, no, I don't think it's wise to mask children on the basis of the scientific evidence. Uh, YouTube 
censored the, the, the conversation that we had with the governor of Florida, who was trying to communicate with his constituents about the kind of thinking that undergoes, uh, that he's, that he, you know, sort of advice he's getting that underlies his thinking. Uh, and instead, they, they just censored it, saying it was misinformation. Uh, I mean, I think that itself is misinformation. If they have an argument to make about why they think children should be masked, then YouTube should make that argument rather than simply suppressing debate about it. Yeah, I, I went for a walk this morning uh, in a suburb of Pittsburgh here and uh, happened to be by a school, a couple of schools that, that sit next to each other, and every single little kid walking in was wearing a mask. And here we are a year beyond this, and uh, they're not listening, Jay. Nobody, nobody wants to hear it. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think uh, for kids especially, we have done such a disservice to our children. Uh, I mean, I live in California where it's still the, uh, the, the, the fewest number of public school children are in person learning. My kids still aren't in person learning uh, you know, in public schools. Uh, whereas like in Florida, 100% of public schools are open for in-person learning. And the results in California are not better as far as COVID is concerned. Uh, compared to Florida. In fact, in many ways, age-adjusted mortality is lower in Florida from COVID. Um, not only that, but their kids have been in school for the full year. Uh, we've robbed our children of a year of their lives, of almost every source of joy they have, in the hopes of controlling the epidemic. And as you can see, it has failed to do so. We've essentially sacrificed our children for basically nothing uh, for this year. It's time to stop. We should immediately open up children's uh, schools for children and get back to, to providing them sort of their birthright, which is a, a good education. So what is it about uh, Governor DeSantis that makes the COVID hysterics uh, dislike him so much? Is it a success that they can't handle? Yeah, I think it's an enormous success. I mean, his, if you look at the age-adjusted mortality from COVID, it's, he's 40, his state of Florida is 40th in the country. Right, he's one of the oldest states in the country, and yet uh, they, they're right in the middle of the pack for non-age-adjusted mortality, I think 27th or something in the country. That is an enormous success given that he's not closed and locked down. All of the harms in the lockdown, or many of the harms in the lockdown, have been avoided in Florida, whereas in California and much of the rest of the lockdown country, they have had bad COVID outcomes and also the lockdown harms. Um, I think this is partly why, by the way, why I think we're seeing this kind of censorship. Because right, if if uh, if you don't have a good argument, what do you do? Well, you you, you try to get the other side to shut up, right? Uh, so I think in a sense, it's a weakness. It's 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 like a tell showing the weakness in the argument against the lockdowns. And um, if if this keeps happening, uh, and, then, and then as I said at the beginning, you've been you've been fighting against this, and not just just uh, you're just not a uh, a guy in the wilderness. You're a scientist, a doctor. You were involved in the Great Barrington Declaration. You you did uh, enormous amounts of research, and nobody wants to. Uh, well, not you should say nobody, but uh, you just you have to fight to get every little morsel of data that you uh, produce out to the public. How, do you, how how's that going to ever change? It's remarkable. I mean, I've never thought in my life to, I would see a situation where even parts of the press are applauding censorship of the press. I mean, the, the YouTube video wasn't some private video. It was, it was recorded by a local TV station that put it up on their YouTube channel. And the press is applauding the suppression of, of the spread of information by the press. Um, I, I think there's something uh, just fundamentally wrong in how we're thinking. I mean, we let fear replace our values. Uh, even if you don't agree with me about the lockdown, I think, you know, everyone can agree that a free and open discussion and debate is just healthier. Uh, you, you don't, uh, instead of, you can replace fear with reason if you can talk about it. But if you suppress that debate, if you suppress that discussion, you just have all, all that's left is fear, and as a result, bad, bad outcomes. Um, well, I, you, I think we actually, please. Uh, no, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but um, if you go back to when this started, it's understandable to a point when people thought that catching the disease, getting the disease was a death sentence and everybody was running around terrified that they were going to come down with this disease that was going to either kill them or put them in the hospital. You can understand, I think, to a degree, uh, people being very protective of the information that's going out because it was such a uh, considered to be at the time such a life and death situation. If you don't listen to us, you're going to die. Uh, you know, in the first twenty minutes of this uh, of this um, hysteria, maybe that was maybe that was justified, 
but we've learned so much about it over this past year, it doesn't seem like the attitude has changed about being overly protective of people. And, and, and people are still out there. They think they're going to die. And there are people out there thinking if they don't put a mask on, that's going to be the end of their life. And, and somebody out there wants them to keep thinking that. Yeah, it's a failure of public health and a failure of the media to inform the public about what the actual risks are. Because now there's a lot of scientific work that's been done on this, Sean. And what, what, what the finding is is that it's very age-dependent. If you're over the age of 70, the mortality risk, infection for mortality risk is something like 5%, so 95% survival if you get infected. Mm-hmm. If you're under the age of 70, it's 0.05%. So the survival rate for people who are under 70 is 99.95%. These are statistics that are published in the bulletin of the World Health Organization. It's not like a, a, a you know, sort of a, I'm giving you secondhand numbers. These are like based right. on hundreds of studies. Um, we should tell the public that. That's good news in many, many, in many ways, and it can, it, it can be liberating. Instead, young people are more scared of the disease than old people. No, yeah. Think about that. No, I, I, uh, Jay, it, well, just, just anecdotally, I, I, outside around here, I still, I still see people, I can't believe it, uh, that are walking outside with nobody within 200 feet of them and they're wearing masks. And most of the people doing that, they're not 75 years old. They're 35. Or younger. Yeah, we, I mean, we've institutionalized hypochondria. We've said, look, you should be a nation of hypochondriacs. That's essentially what the media and the public health authorities have essentially done. Instead of giving people accurate information and tools to deal with the, the danger that they actually... So, for instance, for older people, this really is a dangerous disease. We absolutely... And we thank God we've given preference to older people in vaccinations. Although well, I think Pennsylvania is, fall, is, is sort of not, not done quite as well as some other, other, other states on that. Um, but once we've vaccinated the older population, we, we've removed them from the pool of people who are really a danger from COVID. And, you know, you've heard of these vaccines being, being dangerous. They're not dangerous. They're actually quite good. And, you know, every vaccine has some risks. But the mm-hmm. risk of COVID for the older population is way, 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 way higher than the risk of the vaccine, which is tiny. Um, and so for the older population, we give them the vaccine. For the younger population, you know, the lockdowns are incredibly damaging. We've talked about kids, but, you know, young adults, the, psych- the psychological harm and distress is, must be enormous. Suicidality is through, uh, through the roof. You know, suicidal ideation is through the roof. Um, the lockdowns are more harmful than COVID for the younger population. Uh, there's no reason once we protect the older population, which we essentially have, I think somewhere on the order of 75, 80% of the, of the older population have had at least one dose of the vaccine. Um, at that point, why, why are we continuing the lockdowns? There really isn't a good argument. Well, and that's the other thing, Jay, and we're talking to Jay Bhattacharya. He's a professor of medicine at Stanford, one of the authors of the Great Barrington Declaration. Um, every time I, I, I see or read or hear someone say, we have to keep the kids safe. My response is, safe from what? Getting sick? And that's what, that's, they might get sick. And a pretty good chance they're not even going to get sick. But if they do get sick, the symptoms are going to be something between, something between uh, non-existent and barely detectable. So why are we keeping them safe from? Yeah, I mean, look, uh, it, you know what we've done to our children, right? So uh, we have, we, uh, child abuse reports are down during the epidemic. But that's not because child abuse is down. It's because child abuse is discovered in schools where kids aren't. We essentially have created an epidemic of child abuse, if you will, undetected child abuse. Um, what are we keeping our kids safe from? Uh, safe from school? If, they, if you miss a year of school, our kids will be poorer and less healthy their entire lives. One study found that uh, something on the order of millions of life years are lost in expectation for our children because they've missed, because, because of just a, just a few months of missed school. Um, we are essentially harming our children, not keeping them safe by these lockdowns. It's quite the opposite. We built our response to the epidemic on the backs of our children, asking them to bear the burden of disease control, when in fact they face minuscule risks from bad outcomes from this virus. Um, It's just not, it's really immoral. Before we go any further, uh, Jay, where can people, I know YouTube has taken the the panel discussion down, but where can people find it? Is it still out there somewhere if they want to watch it? 
Uh, yeah, if you if, if you if you search and look for Governor DeSantis, other people have been posting. Trying to get, I mean, you can't really stop the signal, right? The, yeah. the irony is that YouTube can try to censor, but they, they but they'll have a tough time. And, and, and in a sense, they've like uh, it brought more focus on this these kinds of arguments than they would have if they just let us go. Um, right. So in that sense, I thank YouTube for that. But like, it's it's really it's really crazy. I mean, I think that that. Um, uh, let's have a free and open debate. If, if YouTube has evidence to show, show it. Let's have a let's have a discussion. That's the American way, right? Yeah, but again, I, I think it gets back, Jay, to they don't want the discussion because they want everybody to be one hundred percent compliant because they're still they still think that this, that catching the disease is a death sentence, and and yeah. somehow they've managed to to make allow people to con- uh, continue to think that for a year now. You know, and 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 by the way, uh, YouTube announced almost a year ago that it would pull any video about COVID nineteen that disagreed with the CDC and WHO. Looking back on it, how much valuable information do you think was kept from the public as a result of that decision? I, I just give you one example. I mean, there there's a lot of uh, uh, a lot of talk about uh, about uh, what kind of treatments you should get if you get COVID. Some of it terrible, mm-hmm. and some of it quite valuable. Um, YouTube, I think, has been indiscriminate in, in, in sort of suppressing any discussion about that, uh, rather than trying to, like, let the debate flow and then have credible sources say, okay, this is credible, this is not credible, or, you know, you can have, like, a, you know, some curators and scientists discussing what the evidence is, letting it, instead what's, what's created is this sort of uh, uh, undercurrent of conspiracy theories, which, is, which didn't need to happen. Just let the debate happen naturally and give good public health messaging around all of this, and you'll end up with a better outcome than trying to sort of play favor. I mean, just, just think about masks. In, in the early days of the epidemic, the, uh, the, 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 the word out of uh, Dr. Fauci was masks are bad. Well, should we suppress those videos now? Like right. what, uh, at what point do you say that's enough, right? It's just, you, just, you should just let the debate happen. Yeah, and um, the, the, the CDC has said that people who have been vaccinated can't transmit the disease. I, I, they said that they finally admitted that like last week, and then I think in the last day or two they've changed that back. Um, how, how does that change in one the, week? They should have stayed with the first, the first bit. The, the, now the scientific evidence that this is really clear. So there was a, 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 syrup, a study of studies it's called a meta-analysis of I think something like 50 studies uh, trying to understand what the risk of someone who's asymptomatic is to spreading the disease to someone in their own house. No mask, no nothing, right? You're in your, in your yeah. house. It turns out if someone who's asymptomatic spreads it to someone in their own house, seven out of a thousand cases, seven out of a thousand, where someone who has symptoms, you know, coughing, et cetera, they spread yeah. it to their family members, 18 out of a hundred, 180 out of a thousand. Asymptomatic spread is very rare. And we know that from the scientific evidence now, a huge number of studies. We shouldn't pretend like it's a huge danger when it's not. It still can happen, but it's very rare. Could, could you have imagined nine months ago, Jay, that uh, we would still be wearing masks and keeping uh, stadiums empty and, uh, and restricting activities in April? I, I, could, I mean, like the public health authorities are now essentially the worst anti-vaxxers out there. Like, you have people like Anthony Fauci saying, if you, if you get vaccinated, that's still not enough. You should still wear a mask. You should still, but what's the purpose of the vaccination other than to reduce the risk of doing those normal activities? Of course, you can go and lead your normal life if you've been vaccinated. What's the purpose of vaccinating otherwise? We've created this vaccine hesitancy by essentially downplaying the efficacy of this amazing vaccine. It's one of the few pieces of good news that's come out of the epidemic is this the science of this vaccine and how it got produced so quickly and evaluated so quickly um uh, and and with like a lot of care actually um so i think uh it's 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 i just can't imagine i, I mean if you'd asked me 12 months ago could i imagine the public health authority being the worst anti-vaxxers in the country i i, I mean i still i'm still a flabbergasted by it well, I'm, I'm out of time, Jay. I just will tell you as I leave here that uh, President Biden did a photo op at Arlington Cemetery today. Uh, nobody within 500 feet of him outside. He had two masks on. That's where we are. So, and he's been vaccinated. And he's vaccinated. Yeah, thanks, That's Jay. Crazy. <laughs> I'm out thank of time. You, thanks always. Yeah, thank you. Have him on again, I hope. And that's it uh, for Jay Bhattacharya. We'll be right back.
With SRN News, I'm Bob Agnew in Washington. President Biden says the U.S. has been in Afghanistan long enough, saying he's going to bring all U.S. troops home from that country at the 20-year mark of the September 11th terrorist attack, saying that the original threat there from the Taliban and al-Qaeda has actually spread to other parts of the world. Al-Shabaab in Somalia, al-Qaeda in the Arabian Peninsula, al-Nusra in Syria, ISIS attempting to create a caliphate in Syria and Iraq and establishing affiliates in multiple countries in Africa and Asia. And the president planning a trip today to Arlington National Cemetery on the heels of those remarks. The mother of a 16-year-old boy who was shot and killed by a Maryland state police trooper says her son was an awesome young man. Christy Boyle said in a brief phone interview that her family planned to release a statement through an attorney about the shooting earlier this week. This is SRN News. We have two dogs, Sam and Bailey. Both are golden retrievers. Poor Sam, he was a mess. Always itching. His paws were soaking wet all day from just constant licking. He had bald spots on his back. I just don't like putting shots and steroids into your dog all the time. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Dynavite is nutrition. Probably two weeks after he started Dynavite, I started seeing great improvements. And today, 99% of his issues are non-existent. It's amazing stuff. Since Bailey has been 12 weeks old, he's been a Dynavite dog. And he has zero issues today. He won't eat his food without Dynavite. When I get out the Dynavite, my dogs actually salivate. Like I'm getting them a treat. They drool over it. Dynavite is the best thing you can do for your dog. You won't believe how happy your dog will be. I get my Dynavite from D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. AM 1250, The Answer, The Hugh Hewitt Show. Hi, it's Hugh Hewitt on the next Hugh Hewitt Show. Steve Scalise is the number two Republican in the House of Representatives. We talk with him about whether he can find two Democrats, that's all he needs, two Democrats, to stop the ridiculous infrastructure bill and turn some of that spending to defense infrastructure and supply chain revitalization. Steve Scalise, House Whip, on the next Hugh Hewitt Show. Hugh Hewitt, weekday mornings at 6, right before Mike Gallagher at 9 on AM 1250. The answer. This is Jay Hagerman of Abernathy and Hagerman. Writing an estate plan is one thing. Having the experience to administer the estate is something else. At Abernathy and Hagerman, estate administration isn't a side job. It's what we do. You have the same goals we all do. To protect your assets, to minimize taxes, and ensure your inheritance gets to the ones that you love. How you get there, that's specific to you. So let's talk. Hagerman Law. Legal help that lasts a lifetime. Visit a-h.law. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 3388 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 3388. Enjoy. AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The Answer. Pittsburgh. A division of Salem Media Group. Listen on the Answer mobile app, smart speakers, tune in, iHeart, or radio.com. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. Looks like a solid backup on outbound 51, tied up Ansonia Place, down to Library Road, close to a 10-minute delay. Heavy delays also on the Parkway East inbound from 2nd Avenue to the Fort Pitt Bridge. Parkway West, just minor delays now inbound. Parkway Center Drive to the Fort Pitt Tunnel. Looks like things are improving a bit there. Union Avenue, Ross Township, that is shut down with construction between Edie's Way and William Street. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, The Answer. Weather. 
Tonight we'll see cloudy skies with a brief shower or two. Expect a low tonight of 41. Tomorrow, cloudy skies with a shower in places. Tomorrow's high 50. Rain and drizzle tomorrow night with a low of 37. Friday, we'll see a morning shower in spots. Otherwise, mostly cloudy skies prevail. Expect a high Friday of 50. With your AccuWeather forecast, I'm forecaster Drew Shannon. You're listening to the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. Well, liberals are happy to tell you that Joe Biden is spending more money than any president since FDR. That's what Democrats do when they take control of Washington. They spend other people's money to show how generous they are. That's kind of their thing. But So what should Republicans do now? Uh, Amity Schles, an historian whose uh, latest book is called Great Society, and is here to tell us, what they shouldn't do. Amity, thanks for being here. To be here. Uh, so, um, yeah, let, uh, you kind of hinted at the answer. I mean, if, if you look at spending by the federal government and what share of it is attributed to commitments we made in the 1930s under the New Deal versus the Great Society of Lyndon Johnson and even Nixon in the 60s, we send we spend more on Great Society. So the Great Society was a huge spending program. It started huge and it got even huger. And um, that's really what President Biden looks more like. It's interesting that he selects FDR instead. Um, The 30s are so far away, nobody remembers the damage the government did. So it's easier to be nostalgic about them. Yeah, yeah. But uh, the Great Society, I'm actually old enough to remember that one. I was in high school, and then and the the war on poverty. How's that worked out? Well, the war on poverty didn't work out. I mean, remember, Lyndon Johnson didn't say, I'd like to make poverty rates a little lower. He said, I want to cure, C-U-R-E, cure poverty. And poverty <laughs> was going down at that time due to our growth, due to our education through the progress in the United States. So President Johnson vowed to do this. Uh, poverty rates continued to go down, but after a while, um, the rate of decrease decelerated, and we settled at around 10%. And uh, there we are now. And the question is, um, did we, through our poverty methodology, the approach we took lock people into poverty through generations by training ourselves, everyone, that that entitlements um, are acceptable for not only for us, but for our children and our children's children. So maybe no. we, we institutionalize poverty through our social commitments. Yeah. And, uh, and let's start uh, uh, with, uh, uh, let's get to what you uh, made in your piece, uh, the comparison between the January 6th event at the Capitol a couple months ago and Watergate uh, and what the Republicans should learn from uh, what they did after Watergate and not doing again. Could you explain that? Oh, sure. Yes. This is a piece I wrote with Matthew Denhart. Um, We co-edited a book about Calvin Coolidge, and you'll hear why that's relevant in a sec. Um, After Watergate, a scandal, or at least a challenge of a magnitude... um, similar to that of January 6th, you know, a party divided, upheaval, disruption, lots of fights. Um, Our party stuck to the center. That is our Republican party uh, stuck to the center. Um, That's what the president said we were going to do. That was Gerald Ford. And we'll just kind of be like Democrats, only maybe a little less Democrat light, because, of course, Republicans can't spend quite as quite as much as Democrats. Um, so that was the attitude. It didn't work out for Gerald Ford, as nice as he was and uh, a very lovable, upright man. It didn't work out because the Republican policy was indistinguishable or insufficiently distinguishable from the Democratic policy. And um, under Coolidge, who Matt and I studied, and we just published a, a new version of Coolidge's autobiography, there was a different response to a challenge. The challenge in the 20s was the Teapot Dome scandal, yeah. which really was one. Um, and Coolidge stayed right, that is. He went like Reagan or Thatcher, and the voters liked that. Yeah, then uh, you do... Co- yeah, yeah. You call it Democrat light. Uh, Mitt Romney seems to be uh, 
good at that. He's been good at that throughout his career, I think, and he's up to it again, right? Well, I, I, I mean, I'm not after bashing individual candidates. What this year should be is a year of platform. The Republican Party almost has no platform, right? It's, it's sort of, uh, you know, kind of punted on that one in the last presidential election. It, sh- it should be about principles that, that people who are for the Republican Party, Republicans, agree on. It shouldn't be about people. So that that's the important part that's missing, and that's what happened in the 20s. They said, our platform said we would cut taxes, so we will continue to cut taxes. Our platform said that you voted us on, in on, we will continue to do that, and that's sort of absent now. Um, and it was absent uh, under Ford um, in that Ford thought first politically of coalitions and second in terms of policy. It was just his nature. And it's definitely true now um, with the million political consultants, what we're doing or what's being done. I, I'm not actually part of the Republican Party in that way. I don't. Um, is, is What's being done is people are writing plans to collect coalitions that might win in a coming election rather than saying, What's a set of policies we believe in that don't contradict each other? Um, And voters don't like contradictions or um, disingenuous platforms or the pretense that projects planned politically are optimal economically. For example, a child credit is a nice thing politically, and we can see why some people would want that and it would help you get votes. But what's false is to pretend that a child credit and here I speak as a mother of four, a child credit is optimal economic policy. It is not. It is not a job creator in the way a lower capital gains tax is or a lower corporate tax, apropos the news. So let's be frank. If we want to compromise to get voters, let's say so, but let's not pretend, as is what's going on in the discussion now, that um, some political compromise econ, kind of, you know, mushy econ is optimal econ. Yeah, you uh, you point out in, the, in your piece uh, that um, that uh, there's a something called the Fam- Family Security Act, uh, and each child would get forty two hundred dollars a year. Uh, it goes down to three thousand when the child turns six. That doesn't sound very Republican to me. It doesn't to me either, and we, you know, all Americans are concerned about the family, and we want to support the family, and we need better schools, and we need to be able to afford them, or we need our tax base to afford them. It's not that. It's, um, but it's an awful expensive way to buy votes, and an awful poor way to provide jobs, which, you know, what does a family really, really need? Education and jobs. That's what a family needs. <laughs> and, well, and school choice would be nice. Are, and the, the choice would be, and the better, the more choices there are, the better that is for the family. And we say, women, what are women? Women are people. People want jobs and education and uh, to provide for their family, you know. So, so there's not much difference there. And to kind of segregate it all, I, I think that many Republicans are charmed by the child projects because they sound pro-family, and they think that will appeal to voters. It does for a while, but it's not the same um, effect as when you drastically cut taxes, for example. And it, taxes are not the flavor of the year right now, but the true truth is, usually when you cut the capital gains and corporate taxes, whoever's president, the economy does pretty well, and there are more jobs. So it would just be useful for the Republicans to acknowledge that um, publicly and loudly, uh, instead of trying to write the political campaign so early. Uh, we're talking to Amity Schles. She's the uh, uh, author of a book called Great Society, among others, including a biography of Calvin Coolidge, which I want to get to in a minute. Um, uh, do Republicans, speaking of history books, do Republicans read history books? Why do they have oh, to be absolutely. constantly reminded of what works for them? I don't know. I mean, I don't know, fear, um, haven't thought it through, Uh I, I, I w- w- had uh, a good chance to be in a Fox documentary this week. I haven't even seen all of it because it's long. There are multiple parts. But the Fox documentary on taxation seemed really serious to me and interesting. Um, 
I think that we teach our politicians to pander to the moment, and it's sort of a, it's a bad cycle. Um, you know, they're pandering. They're not thinking long because they think, I can't tell you how many congressmen or senators have said, well, that's not realistic to even mention the capital gains tax. Well, wouldn't voters like to know the benefits of certain lower taxes? Then they can reject them and say, well, that sounds too, too much like helping the rich to me. If that's what they feel like responding. But at least we ought to have an honest discussion about what um, provides the optimal economic results. So one reason the U.S. is as strong even as it is is where we stand relative to other countries, and a lot of that does have to do with taxation. Um, you want to take seriously what happened in the most recent tax acts, whether they came under President Trump or not, and see what benefits came from them and what, what negatives. Um, it, the discussion is rather too politicized. Maybe um, think of it as in terms of business school, too much time on marketing, too little time on auditing and statistics. Uh, um, that's basically. Well, um, back getting back to the uh, to the uh, Great Society, which you wrote a book about, uh, and what the, what uh, Joe Biden seems to be imitating uh, right now. Back then, uh, LBJ had won a landslide following the the Kennedy assassination and all the emotion that went with that. Did he then overdo it uh, because of all? Just he felt like he could do anything he wanted, and could Biden be doing the same thing? Because he he ran on exactly what he's doing. You know, um, in LBJ's case, he, he played to his own strengths. If you're a violinist, you play the violin. If you're a master of the Senate, as he was, that experience, you get laws through. People said LBJ. With laws and pass them the way other men eat chocolate chip cookies. And Joe Califano said that. And it's very funny, and it's true. But a lot of those laws had effects even LBJ didn't intend. The spending to which I referred earlier, uh, by the end of his, his period, he was worried about and telling voters about austerity, which is the opposite of what Democrats are supposed to talk about, right? Austerity, oh, oh that's a terrible word, right? But eventually you come to need austerity if you ever spend. I do think uh, President Biden probably referred to Roosevelt um, because, again, Roosevelt's so far away that the New Deal is easier to romanticize than the Great Society. Too many of us remember the purgatorial 1970s, as you said, sir, you know, um, and what it was like when you wanted to buy a house or our parents wanted to buy a house. Well, what it was like when you wanted to buy a house, the house you wanted to buy had one or two fewer bedrooms than you thought you wanted to buy because the yeah. interest rate was so high. Hey, so you say, well, uh, really, I, I can my... afford a three-bedroom house, but actually I only get a one-bedroom house, right? right? Yeah, I, I bought my first house. I bought my first house in 1983. And I was thrilled to get 10.5% interest. 10.5%. I thought I, because everybody else was just, was around 12. I got, I was thrilled that I got 10.5%. Um, and so that's going back to the 80s. But um, the Great Society and the War on Poverty and all that stuff, as you said, was almost 60 years ago. Are we still feeling the effects of all that today? And, and, and how long might we be paying for what the Democrats are putting through now? What's this? talk about the commitments we made then. The problem is they're kind of spring-loaded to explode late, which is around now, because we over as lovable as Medicare and Medicaid may be to some on some days, um, we place the cost of those programs upon our children. They're the ones who are going to pay, and the costs have exploded. So they're the ones who are going to have the smaller houses. Uh that's setting aside whatever the current administration is doing. What the current administration is doing matters fiscally, it matters for the currency, but it also matters for trust because it's um, telling a story that, that the evidence suggests is, is, less, is not true, which is that we can afford anything. Um, why do I say we, we can't afford anything? Because eventually the currency will be challenged, as it was. And in the Great Society book, I talk about the invincibility of the U.S. currency and how um, Johnson was just absolutely terrified. When to him, it must have felt like one day to the next. Um, the dollar was challenged in Europe, and, and tourists 
this seems like a scare tactic, except it was true. Tourists couldn't change their dollars for the European currency. And you can't even mention that without feeling alarmist, but it actually happened in Johnson got the CBGB, so he was very, very concerned because he could never have imagined the dollar would have troubles. He couldn't imagine the kind of inflation we came to confront, or the, as you mentioned, the, the, the interest rates that were necessary to suppress that inflation. So, so all that, you know, right now we're in the moment of suspended disbelief. That doesn't mean the dollar will never be challenged by something more substantial than Bitcoin, of course. Because what is Bitcoin but an expression of lack of faith in the U.S. dollar? Um, so when the dollar is challenged, we, we'll have um, some ruction here. We just don't know when that will be. And uh, okay. how will we come out of it? It will, it will probably be like the 70s. Uh, I only have a couple minutes left here, uh, Amity. Um, you're an expert on Calvin Coolidge. You wrote his biography. You don't hear much about Cal. Uh, what should we have learned from Calvin Coolidge? Because he's not a guy who gets a lot of attention in, in uh, you know, in history books. If Coolidge were a stock, he'd be a buy. He's the most mispriced president in terms of reputation. He's a wonderful president. And he was in a period like um, the 60s and I would say the current day, more in one area that, that we don't often mention. The question in the early 20s was, was the U.S. number one economically in the world? Well, we took the lead in winning the peace in, in World War One. Okay. Um, but it wasn't sure that Sterling wouldn't come back, the U.K. currency, the empire's currency, and we would go back to number two. That was possible. So you had to have a virtuous currency policy, a virtuous budget. Um, we were on the gold standard, which, which forced that in real time. Too. So we pursued a common sense U.S. economic policy of budget cutting, led by Harding and especially Cruz. Cruz was the budget maestro. He compared budget cutting to cheese pairing. It was just his temperament. He was more the accountant the statistician than the marketer by temperament. He, he under-promised and over-delivered. And he actually cut the budget. He, and, and you say, well, you mean he reduced the rate of increase? No, Coolidge actually cut the budget in peacetime so that when he left office, after 67 months, the budget was lower than when he came in, notwithstanding a healthy increase in population and GDP. So, so I think that's awesome. He's a model for a country challenge. And by the end, the U.S. was more secure in its number one slot. He validated that our, our role is number one. And Britain helped by going off the wrong way with expensive social democracy, making the U.S. look better by comparison. So, you, you know, you, the phrase, the dole, uh, comes from the U.K. policy of the 20s. Um, when there was overpayment to the unemployed and some were reluctant to go back to work, it became a pejorative that Roosevelt himself used. We don't want the dole here. You know, so um, that was Coolidge. He, he made America a stronger model with great, you know, with, with great consequences for the economy of his period. Emily, I'm out of time. I really appreciate it. I do see that uh, one of the quotes from Calvin Coolidge is, I have noticed that nothing I have never said ever did me any harm. That's something maybe I should remember. But I I appreciate you being on. Well, it's the opposite of radio. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. We'll be right back. It's finally time to replace that old leaky roof, or how about some new siding? You can count on Windows R Us, the area's premier exterior replacement company. This is John Steigerwald. With over 50 years' experience in the home remodeling industry, Windows R Us offers repair and replacement for roofs, siding, gutters and downspouts, windows, entry doors, even decks. A leaky roof left unfixed can lead to mold and mildew. Maybe you lost siding during the recent windstorms. Don't put those repairs off. Windows R Us offers 12 months, no interest financing, and no processing fee through Dollar Bank. Want new factory direct replacement windows for your home or office? Choose from 100% vinyl, commercial aluminum, wood, and composite. And how'd you like to never clean your gutters again? For a limited time, get a free gutter filter with the purchase of complete siding or roof replacement. That offers valid through 63021. All with 12 months, no interest, no processing fee, and backed by the 
best warranty in the industry. Schedule your free estimate and inspection today at windowsrpittsburgh.com. That's windowsrpittsburgh.com. The following are real-life stories from Trinity Debt Management. My story begins with debt, a lot of debt. I used my credit cards as a source of income. It was not a good situation. I couldn't pay my bills. The interest on the cards was really high. If you're in debt and you need help, call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. I initially was scared to call, and immediately I felt relieved. They contacted all of our creditors, and they put us on a plan for success. Trinity will consolidate your account into one easy-to-manage monthly payment, reduce your interest, and possibly improve your credit score. You'll save thousands. I've been able to pay off close to $15,000. We're doing a lot better. Please pick up the phone and see how affordable and easy it is to pay off your debt. It's a godsend. We're debt-free for keeps. Call Trinity at 1-800-990-6976. That's 1-800-990-6976. This is the John Walt Show on AM 1250 and FM 92.5. The answer. Well, I, I, I only have about a minute left, and I, 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 I actually saved, and I don't know what I did with them, but I saved Calvin Coolidge quotes. I, there were so many of them that were, were good. Here's a, here's a good one. I want the people of America to be able to work less for the government and more for themselves. I want them to have the rewards of their own industry. This is the chief meaning of freedom. Until we can reestablish a condition under which the earnings of the people can be kept by the people, we are bound to suffer a very severe and distinct curtailment of our liberty. Boy, it would be nice if Democrats listened to that. Uh, And he says uh, also, don't you know that four-fifths of all our troubles in this life would disappear if we would just sit down and keep still? (laughs) You know, they talked about him like he was, he was, uh, uh, he was not, he, he was, this never never did anything. He was like boring and, uh, you know, he didn't look like he was awake and all that, but he knew exactly what he was doing. Um, he also said, I have, as I said before, I have noticed that nothing I have never said ever did me any harm. That's a good one to remember. Uh, and I'll talk to you tomorrow. Thanks. Bye. The John Steigerwald Show is a production of the Answer Pittsburgh and Salem Media Group.